0: G'day mates, welcome to another Guitar Wing podcast, thank you so much for joining us, I am your host Troy McCubbin, you have no choice in that, uh, but welcome, this is episode 170, uh, it's a doozy, by Jingo's by Crikeys, it's a ripper mate, finally come through on this one, but uh, before we jump into that, quick couple of things uh remember bruce and bruce foreman and danielle deAndrea are heading down under t- heading to australia in june i think june like 19th they'll be heading down under to do a bunch of shows bruce is going to be doing the red guitar uh when he can and performing with danielle check them out maybe you can get a, a lesson or go to a workshop with bruce foreman and uh just keep uh keep a lookout for that for all my aussie mates and Sheila's down there Not that we really say that word that much But anyway, there you go So, uh, here we go uh, Also, Patreon members uh, Keep going with that If you want to sign up for Patreon And be a part of the amazing gifts I believe Did we give one away? i got to double check that If you won a prize, you better... Email us and let us know. <laughs> uh, and Or remind us. I know there was a few people that had won prizes before uh, and you haven't received your prizes yet. Please email. Let us know and we will get them out to you because I don't know what the fuck is going on with the, the mail room. It's always a problem. Uh, other than that, so go to patreon.com, sign up and uh, you will be amongst... The winners, hopefully, of winning lots of gifts. We still got the Quilter Amp to give away, the Wire World Pro Audio gift pack. Larry, uh, I know I've got to reach out to you and uh, talk about that gift pack and make sure we have all the cables ready for our um, giveaway. Uh, Left Coast Pedals, I think we have one more of those to give away too. So we've still got a lot of cool stuff to give away. And uh, we've got some Fender stuff um, and a few other things. So hang in tight. Uh, we're going to keep that going as much as we can. Scott's still out because I don't know where Scott's in album land. So we're all excited to hear about the updates from that. Um, Bruce is good. I'm good. We're all doing well. And finally, we have Mr. Steve Lukather. Luke finally came through. He's been such a a great man throughout this whole procedure of trying to get him on the show. Uh, This guy's a busy man, as you may as well know. Um, I'll let him fill you in. But man, every time we talked, he was... It's off with Ringo, it's off with Toto, he's in the studio, it's like, damn, he is a busy man. But uh, super stoked to have him here, he was so generous with his time. Again, just a great bloke, and one of my guitar heroes, and probably one of yours. A monster in the world of guitar playing and such a pleasure to have him on the show. We really enjoyed it and uh, we just let him talk (laughs) and went from there. So anyway, so sit back, enjoy the show and um, I think that's all I've got to say or I need to say. Uh, Guitarwanker.com, go there. And, and sign up Subscribe Leave a review On iTunes It helps a lot Or anywhere Just leave us A review On a Dunny The back of the Dunny door uh, That will help us In small ways And if we can hit As many restrooms Across the world With those uh, Reviews uh, That will help As little as you may think uh, Also you, If you have a A disagreement You want to th- Send your thoughts. You can do so at guitarwank at gmail.com. Really simple procedure. Open up an email, put that in, and send it to us with your thoughts, your grievances, or anything else you want to share with us. We really appreciate the feedback. Uh, We're on Facebook. We're on all the other bullshit media, social media sites that's sucking the very souls of our lives out of us. And... um, That's it. All right, let's get into it. Mr. Steve Lukather, thank you so much, mate, for coming on the show. And, um, yeah, let's get into episode 170. A long time coming, this one. You guys all thought I was full of shit more so than I normally am. But anyway. All right, be safe. Have a great week. And uh, we will talk to you guys all next week. made it this is awesome hey man um, you
1: know i don't really do this stuff much i'm not i'm not the guy that you call up to like i'm not the bedroom guitar player that like has his eight licks slicked out to play for you to impress you you know i just don't live in that you
0: know well yeah
1: if it's time to press the red button and do it let's fucking do it but you know yeah
0: but yeah, you you I'm know, it's like not like coming I'm, to these things and having to play and shit like that. Yeah, right? just
1: you know, and then it gets put on YouTube, and then you become a pinata for the fucking pissed off guitar players of the world. You know, right? I'm, yeah, I've been a pinata for forty three well, years. Not be I want to do it. Here. No, but I've been <laughs> a pinata for forty three years. I'm I, I break easy now. You know? <laughs> If I could just come and hang out with a couple guitar players and shoot the shit, fine. Yeah. You know. well, I'm norm- not here to impress anybody, man.
0: Normally we'd have Scott, but Scott's busy in
1: album world and mixing and shit, and he's oh, doing all t- that. Oh, do tell him I said hi, man. Well, so, that's another thing. you know. But I have such deep respect for Scott Henderson. He's such a great guy. You know? he's, he's. I don't he's know, know him riot, that well, but I mean, we've sort of bumped into each other a hundred times through the years. Yeah. I've yeah. gone to see him play. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, walked away, like, time to burn my own guitars and stuff like that. But, you know, yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. Whoop. Uh, look at this. I pulled, I pulled out too soon. <laughs> it's not the first time that's happened, <laughs> by oh.
0: oh, man, I couldn't relate. Actually, the last time I, we ran into each other was um, at... Uh, are we doing this? Is, are we, we on? We're on. Oh, good. I should, maybe I introduce you. Or oh, why, whatever. W- so this is
2: some Wayne's World kind of shit here, man. Wayne's World (laughs) shit? What do you mean? There's
0: there's no it's it's with oh shit. Like that doesn't even matter. First of all, I need
1: his agents calling. Well it could be, but you know, here's first thing I'm gonna do is turn that off. Do excuse me, we can start over if you want. That's cool.
0: Well let's welcome guitar wink fans. We finally have Mr. Steve Lucas are with us.
1: Finally, we scraped the bottom of the well, barrel. You, you, know got, what, you already got the good guys. Now it's you know what <laughs> hired me for creative, uh, humorous banter. Yeah,
2: right, right. Well, no, yeah. And you know
1: you know what happened was when we first reached out, I
0: first reached out to you and you were so kind. You were like, yeah, yeah, we, we could do it. And then you got super busy. Mm. But I made the mistake of telling all the fans, we've got Luke, he's going to come in. And that was like over a,
1: probably a year ago. And yeah, they
2: know we're the liars that we are. Oh no, man. First off,
1: I, um, so you just I don't know I to say. I, I'm, I apologize. No, I mean, man. It's totally fine. I didn't mean to upset anybody. So now you... No, I don't think anybody really gives a no shit. No one gives a shit. You know? But
2: um, now that... The, oh, I can say shit, hour,
1: right? So I, so can, I, can talk, I can talk like a regular human being here, right? Right. <laughs>
2: that's what we yeah. do here.
1: Okay. Yeah, there's, well, there's, I don't know. Sometimes it's like, don't say that, don't say this. No, there's no rules here. There's
0: definitely no rules. I never really
1: understood the whole rule thing. Like, you know, oh, shoot. Oh, frig this. It's like, come on, guys. <laughs> we all know what you're saying. You know? yeah. yeah. No, we. there's none of that. We're I fat. told all my children. I said, look, you know, they're just words. They're just words. It's use, hey, you you, use, use, them. use them sparingly, but use them at the right time. When you stub your toe, shit is the appropriate word to use. Yeah. If somebody messes with you, you fail a test at school, and you say,
0: fuck! (laughs) Exactly.
3: Yeah,
1: man, I get it. But if you're peppering every other word with a swear word, you just sound stupid. Yeah, then it loses Said the guy who's got a (laughs) reputation for being the filthiest man alive. Uh, No, I mean, but I do, you know, what do you tell little kids? Yeah. Anyway, uh, this is not a lesson on parenting. (laughs) We, um, so yeah, last time we we met in
0: person was at Jeff Babko's place is
1: that where it was okay all right and yeah. you were there and friends. i
0: was just about to have a baby my uh my son right. and i came up to you and i said we were talking at that his was, wedding no it was just a, a just a hang at jeff i think Colin. Uh, Hanks, i can't uh, first off it was before we was move while on ago. jeff
1: Babco, man one of the finest musicians i've ever met in my life it's amazing i mean i and i do not exaggerate but yeah i, say I play, with a, I play his, with a couple of good players too. yeah yeah uh one of one of my favorite human beings great great guy. friend but i mean what a talent simon yeah. phillips found him and wow. brought him to everything and all of us and he just you know i just knew he was destined for greatness yeah and now he's achieving that yeah he's kicking out i love him and song as a fan i love Theo, his kid yeah great family love the babgus yeah we're gonna do something with our little nerve bundle band oh really yeah we had a little side band yeah uh, jorgen carlson from government newell right toss panos from, uh, God, he's playing, you know, Toy Matinee, uh Ron Ford, Carl, you know, yep. Landau, I mean, me. We got this little band together for the last few years and we just do play for fun, usually in the Is that the Christmas, Christmas thing? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: And it sells out every Yeah, every yeah. Year. And
1: we don't, you know, we don't rehearse or nothing. We just show up and just, you know, do jam band stuff. Yeah. You know, call yeah. it out. But now a few little things are coming up. We're going to do Cruise to the Edge. What's Cruise yes. to the Edge? It's a, it's a Yes cruise ship thing. Whoa. Like, a lot of really cool prog rock bands from my childhood. You know, a lot of incredible musicians on the thing as a matter of fact simon's band's gonna play on there yeah oh, wow. you know, i haven't seen him he's got greg Howe and all these scary guitar players yeah you know i think i'm like you know the remedial guitar player of the the cruise but you know as i'm <laughs> as i'm older now i don't care i'd love being that You're right i love being the oh you nutty kids today look <laughs> at you you can drive so fast in your sports car it's kind of like that you know yeah. i mean yeah, you, you turn on the computer every day, there's like, you know, some 10-year-old kids, mind-boggling. You know? and I just gotta laugh, I go, I'm so glad that I grew up when I did, you know. Well, reading your book, which it, it, I think I told you in an email that it reads
0: like, um, it reads like the guitar version of Stand By Me. It,
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Excuse me, it, laughing, I mean, you know, I have a silly laugh, I <laughs> apologize for that, but... That's outrageous. I I don't even know well, how was, you could get there. Well, you there. know
0: why I g- came across that to me because it was so like this era of everything. Just you were right here in North Hollywood, and all this amazing oh, right shit down down was the street, yeah, man. amazing shit was happening. And just the story and that it was very as a guitar player was like with my generation, I didn't get to experience any of that. You know, and it well, was just we had like to, this
1: fantasy world. You well, know? we had to seek each other out. Yeah. Like, you know, when I was a kid, when I first started playing in bands, I was nine years old. Yeah. Uh, by 11, I was actually playing on the weekends, you know, making, a, you know, we played the Teenage Fair, except we, we were 11. Yeah. You had to be a teenager. So we got, like, some award for being, like, you know, best little young band. And then we, we were an anomaly. Now, that's not an anomaly at all. As a matter yeah. of fact, that's old-timer shit. Yeah. Oh, you're 11? Oh, wow. It's six you years know? old. So you know, makes... you have to be a fetus who plays like Stevie <laughs> Ray Vaughan now to impress anybody. Yeah. yeah. And don't we have enough people that try to play like our legend Stevie? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of interesting things going on right now. There's some astoundingly great players, but there's also a lot of sameness of guys learning the same licks off the internet.
2: Does it feel It was a lot
1: harder for us when we were young. We had to painstakingly <laughs> lift up the needle and drive our parents crazy with the same plan. My old man used to go, if you play that fucking part again, I'm going to kill you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be lifting up trying to learn a clapton solo, which ironically, you know, I still get tongue tied when I get in front of him. I just saw him a couple weeks ago in Japan. Right. Yeah, I've had the honor of, you know, working with him on I sort of talked my way onto a record with him. But he's one of the few cats that I've ever met, you know, star I've worked with a lot of famous yeah, people. Huge. I just for some reason he's like I just gotta get tongue-tied in front of you see he? and he's very nice he's like the nicest guy in the world like, he doesn't have that persona like we but it's just no but i met him is. and i met doyle too which is really cool doyle yep. Brown, uh, who's who i'm a, a fan of what a great musician for another great guy i still like i mean i've been doing this a hundred years but I'm still a fan. Yeah. Yeah. When I meet when I'm in the company of a real legend, a real somebody changed the Beck? Changed the World. Yeah. Well, another one. Yeah. You know, I've had a chance to work with Jeff, you yeah. know. And we used to hang out all the time. I yeah. saw him last last summer in Holland. It was the first time we'd seen each other in a while, and it was great to see him. He's one of my all time all time heroes. It's funny, like, he's really much more of an influence on me and, and i I'm in awe. Yeah, I've seen it up close. I actually produced a record that never came out. Sadly, never got the chance to finish it. Back in 1997, it's a long story. Uh, I didn't even get into it because it was so strange. But um, I got to work with him, and and like I said, I got to know him better. So I got the being around him didn't feel so nerve wracking. Yeah, yeah. being around Eric, because I've only been around him a couple of times through my life, and like I said, I've worked with really super famous people. Yeah. For some reason, it's just the one guy. Gives you the... He's just... <laughs> hey, I, I spent so much time lifting... The- if I met Jimmy Hendrickson, he was still- oh, sorry. If I met Jimmy and he was still alive, it would be the same thing. Right. You know, for some reason, you know, as much of an influence as Jeff Beck has been on me, I've just known him as a human being longer. Yeah. You know, as much as but anybody do you can you know.
0: Get, do you get this situation? Like, I've become really good friends with Bruce, and I grew up you know idolizing his playing and there's other people in my life that have become really good friends yeah sure and I forget we become mates and everything's well, cool and well, then they pick up the guitar and you go oh that's right you're well, that yeah. hero of mine well that, you
1: know it's not unlike that yeah. You know? I mean, yeah I'm not saying that Jeff Beck and I are best friends I mean there was a time we spent a lot of time together man. always a joy to see him but uh, he he if I just spent more time with him, I should be like that with him. Yeah. Man, I should be like that. There's a few other players that I get like that. With other people, I'm just, I, I'm just used to it. But it's just, it's just a nervous little, one little quirky thing about me, I guess. Man, it just feels like in the last
0: few years, Toto and your career has just taken to another level again.
1: <laughs> Listen, nobody's more surprised and uh, grateful than me. Uh, you know, you don't see this stuff coming. I was just talking about, I've been doing press for the our upcoming tours. We've got a European... Headline the festivals over there yep. a bunch of the festivals over there and then we're doing a United States Fall Tour so I'm doing press for that. people ask me that stuff like, I never we, you know we thought when we started I was a teenager when we started we were yeah. 19 years old when we were making the first album I was anyway I turned 20 in the middle of it or something and, uh, and we were talking then man if we could get 10 years like our heroes the Beatles who really only got 9 right if you think about that right Oh, is, eight, um, years. Eight, eight years. That all happened in eight years. Sixty-two, so when I mean, you think about that growth and what how they changed the world, I mean, it's staggering. I mean, there's another perfect example. I mean, I've been in Ringo's band for seven years, and he's a, a dear friend at this point. And Do you forget? The yeah, new Ringo? I, because yeah, sometimes because now yep. we spend so much time together. He's a real friend, but. Once in a while, I mean, you're reminded. Right. It's like, okay. And the same, same feeling with working with Paul McCartney and George Harrison, I got to work with and hang out with. He was my very first guitar hero. Yep. And I got to say all that stuff and, you know, play and jam with him and stuff. I have pictures of him playing my 59 burst with us. at the, You know, he actually played with Toto on, uh, on the tribute to Jeff Beccaro Wow. after we lost Jeffrey. And then I met Ringo, so I mean, three of the four reasons why I play music. You know? <laughs> Um, you know, being around Paul and stuff like that is pretty deep, you know. But we worked together a, a bunch of times, so it was a little bit less like that. But like I said, Clapton, for some reason, the the, cat, the guy I go, huh, I can't speak. Hi, <laughs> hi, Eric. You know, even though he's the gracious, you know, it was <laughs> it was just something that's so weird. Um, I, I can't explain it. Wow. You know, I've been around, I, around people. Like you know, you get around Alan Holsworth. God bless his soul. And you watch him, and then he comes out and goes, oh, I suck tonight. And you just go, yeah, if that sucks, dude, <laughs> what? I should be in uh, male porn or something. You know? <laughs> uh, but, you know, we're all our own worst enemies with this shit. Yeah, you know I mean? it you know, seems to be a running theme with a lot of you guys like, at, at that I level. think it's just like being an actor. It's like we're just a bunch of paranoid, insecure guys that have this shield called the guitar in front of them. Yeah. Most of us were... Shitty in sports and geeks in school and uncomfortable around girls and stuff like that, bad at sports, yeah, all that stuff, you know. And we kind of found each other, you know. I grew up around these younger musicians that were just sort of hobbyists. And then when I met, well, there are a couple, yeah, when I met Mike Landau when I was 12, Michael, you know, one of the greats of all time, you know, and we connected when we were 12 years old, and you know, and he was always like trying to chase after him, he was. He, was, he just had the natural gift, you know. We were these, wow. these two young, geeky guys that had really weird sense of humor, which we still have. Yeah. And we're still best pals, you know I mean? I, and nobody it's, loves him more than I do.
0: That's, to me, this is it's either something in the water or that whole outliers thing where how does fucking two of the greatest guitar player session guys in L.A. grow up together, right, I mean, from school?
1: Since we were, you know, pre-pubescent or just making the change, as it were, it's fucking amazing. to And me. he was little littler than me. Now right. he's taller than me. But yeah, he was. I was the smallest guy for miles, and I was also the only guitar player that could actually play. And you know, when we met at twelve years old, I was, you know, I could still, I could, I was copying those, you know, crossroads, you know, right. stuff like that. I was yep. pulling, you know, Joe Walsh records, you know. Uh, I was into grand funk. I mean, I, I loved all that old, you know, classic rock. I mean, I started with the Beatles, and everything that happened after that, yeah. I learned. Anything that had guitar in it, I was into, and I wanted to learn how to play. I was playing in bands with older guys. Yeah, I just had a natural thing for the guitar. I have no idea why. I'm very grateful, though, but it changed my life. And I never thought I'd make, you know, have a 43-year career or whatever, making real records and doing real tours. I'm not counting the kitty stuff when I was, yeah. you know, from age, say, 9 to 17, you know. Yeah. I mean, in high school is when Mike and I met Steve Piccaro and the Piccaro family. Yeah. And uh, met David Page, and we started seeing Jefferson Steely Dan when we were in high school. So the bar was set pretty high, as Steve Picaro likes to say. I have to give him credit for that, but... The bar was set real high for us and we all of a sudden dove into our personal studying and we were all just immersed in it, and we were rehearsing every day. We had our high school band, which was uh, me and Mike on guitar, uh, John Pierce on bass, you yeah. Hue- Huey Lewis, session guy, one of my very first friends in life, um, and uh, Steve Piccolo on keyboards, Carlos Vega on drums, and then Jeff McCarron and David Page would come jam with us at our high school gigs. And we had... Uh, three singers that were great: Charlie Randazzo, Laurie Stratton, and Steve's girl at the time, Gina Law. And we were we were like basically a Steely Dan cover band. I think Katie Lyde was being recorded at that time. Right. When we were at school. We learned a whole bunch of stuff off the record before it came out, and we were just playing all Steely. You know. It's fucking amazing. amazing. We didn't have a tribute band. We used to just play all this weird, quirky stuff at high school dances. And Mike and I, and there's a lot of double guitar stuff at the time. The Steely Dan, especially. You know? Yeah. I think I was supposed to be more of the skunk Baxter and he was supposed to be more of the Denny Diaz guy. Yeah. Although that didn't, that flew out the window as soon as we started doing, you know, other stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking amazing,
0: man. And I mean, besides being an amazing player and everything you've done as a guitarist, songwriting. I mean,.
1: I've always been that guy, you know, it's, it's real amazing. funny when we were coming up, I mean, I, like, my mother won a piano on Hollywood Squares, okay, this is the weirdest, <laughs> I, mean, I can't make this shit up, man, you know, my mom, <laughs> was like, I remember it was the 60s, right? my, my mom actually got on the show, wow. and she was a contestant, and she won, you know, and it was the classic, you know, the cliché. Um, and you've won the spinet piano out of the Spiegel catalog you know what i mean it's like and it sure enough it rolled up into the pad man and i'd already been playing guitar for a while you know and i just i was enamored with this thing you know and my mother wanted somebody to learn how to play it so my sister you know you got to take piano lessons which you know to a little kid is like taking math class yeah, after school right. You know, they don't know how to make, they certainly didn't back then know how to make learning music fun, which is the key, is make somebody, you know, anyway, I'm getting around the block with this. Uh, I am, and now I'm old, what were we talking about?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Writing songs.
1: Oh, writing songs, you know, I, I learned how to, you know, I had enough sense to figure out what the notes were, you know, I didn't really have much, I sort of gradually learned a few little things, then I'd find some guy who had a keyboard to play and show me some things then my my grandmother mia had a, a little miniature ham and organ in her room and she used to play church music you know like the classic almost like church music meets like bad soap opera music right right like she would just sit there at the time i didn't realize what she was drinking it was wine and stuff like that so she was half gas playing church music smoking cigarettes in the ham and organ in her, right. in her living room so she used to let me dick around with it and i started start learning stuff like, you know, uh, James Gang stuff, you know. Right. And I f- start and gradually got, you know, got my hands around it and then I started taking a little bit of piano lessons. That's I used to play with awesome. Mike and I used to have a bunch of other bands. I play sometimes I play keyboards and guitar. Yeah. On a fender road through an amp or something like that. You know? And then do, we'd do the awesome. Jeff Beck stuff and he'd do the guitar stuff. I mean it was just I just started writing tunes at a very young age, you know, and so I, I've always, I, listen, I'm a sucker for a p- great pop song. Yeah, I yeah. really do like that stuff. As much as I love something really heavy and really shredding and outrageous, I mean, I don't see any reason. I mean, I could listen to the Carpenters and Slipknot and yeah. Miles Davis and Van Halen and uh, whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. the, so Steely Dan in the same day. Yeah. That's not a weird day to me. Why, there's so much in all of that that's great yeah you know if you if you get past the hipster factor you know i'm i'm obviously i'm not a hipster i've never been hip in my life you know what i mean (laughs) uh i don't even know what that is you know but at the same time so that makes me i'm not a musical snob yeah i know because i'm in a band that it's like either a guilty pleasure or whatever either like us or hate us you know and so i mean i've been taking the pinata status for my most of my career so you guys and i i laugh at it now because i'm so glad to not have you, to worry about it Toto you know. did for a long time and i never
0: understood this being in australia because we just fucking love you guys but well, man it's just it's so cool that toto is so kicking ass right now and what you guys are doing and and i mean the song Afri- I, africa I mean, Africa. I this-
1: mean well, that's the funny thing about africa i mean that's the i i mean when we when we made the record we David had just gotten all these synthesizers and all this crazy stuff from Yamaha. They had to sign, you know, non-disclosure, wear the lab coats, and they were in on the R&D. Wow. And it was a heavy stuff. We got the GS1, which had kalimba sounds and weird things that sort of inspired David. A CS80, which was new at the time. We got all the stuff sent down to the key. And those guys, this is when we were young and not hooked up. We'd spend all night in the studio, for t- days in the studio without yeah. leaving. And that's what we wanted to do. Uh, it was our fourth record, and you know, Dave brought the song in late in the game, and we, uh, inspired by these instruments, and we thought, what an interesting track, man! This has really got a great little hooky groove, you know. And he didn't have any lyrics yet; we right. were just singing the melodies and playing the riff. We're going, "There's something there," and Jeff Picaro said, "Look, we got to do some real loops." I mean, this is way before computers. We did this in 1981, so we had Al Sh- legendary Al Schmidt uh, recording our basic tracks on that album. And he knew how to do all this stuff. We wanted to do experiment like the Beatles you know. Let's make real tape loops and put them on mic stands and do the edits and cut the wow. tape and, do, and then like record four bars of percussion here and drums and then overdub to that and transfer. So we had like a four, one of the first four twenty-four track machine mixes. Yeah. In, in LA, we had guys there. It, was, it wasn't where it take thirty seconds for all the. And we were manually mixing the record. The only thing that was uh, computerized was the mutes. Yeah. This is it. So we were making all manual moves on the desk. Wow. 4 record. Greg Lodoni was heading up, but we all had our hands on the desk. We were all making moves. But anyway, getting back to the song itself, you know, we, we said we're going to make an exercise of production and do all kind of crazy stuff. So we started layering and doing things, doing one guy at a time. We put together this whole track, which we spent a lot of time on and a lot of effort on, and then Dave brought the lyrics in. You know, <laughs> we started laughing. You think too? We're from North Hollywood, you know you what know, Africa, Dave. Yeah, we're right? like white guys from North Hollywood. They're going to throw shit at us. You know what I mean? Come on. Um, and he says, No, 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 man. You know, when I went to my Catholic school, my brothers, my the brothers there used to tell me all about Africa. I was really interested in history, and he had the books, and wow. him and Jeff McCarlo studied all these books and made these. The most ridiculous lyrics ever in a pop song ever, yeah, which right. I concede to, and and even the writers themselves concede to that. I mean, it's actually amazing. There are people who make fun of it on online and stuff like that. How, how stupid the songs and how it doesn't make any sense. It's a whimsical, harmless song. Yeah, you know that, that we had fun making, but I never thought in a billion years. That would either A, be a hit record, B, be the signature song everybody thinks of when they think of us, which to me is the most oddball song of anything we've <laughs> yeah, ever done. Right. But it's, you know, having hit records is a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing yeah. to have one. It's a curse to have to do it for the rest of your life. What? It's, like, it's like being a monkey. Do the monkey has the trick. Do the trick. Yeah, yeah right. right. Everywhere you go, do the trick. Come yeah. on,
0: be a do monkey. The do the trick. Yeah. Yeah. What what goes through your mind when you're driving around and you hear one of your songs come in from back in the day or anything you've played on? Do you... Does it take you right back to that moment? Well,
1: the, <laughs> the one thing that kills me, man, is this yacht rock shit, okay? That, understand something. Whatever that's supposed to mean, I'm. where's my fucking yacht? I mean, I played on all these <laughs> records. But um, it, it, all that was to us was like a week's worth of sessions. You know? Right. Michael McDonald, Kenny Loggins, Christopher Cross, all these records, us, Steely Dan with Jeff and Dave and all the records of that era you know what i mean all all those pop rock things that david foster was doing and all that all that we all were connected to yeah became all of a sudden became yacht rock okay you know 35 years 40 years later that's what it becomes it was just we were just playing man we show up at a session they put a chord chart in front of us to count off the song right that we had no rehearsal no idea what we're going to play who were we going to work with, you know, who the other musicians would be. Yeah. Sometimes we knew who the artist was or the producer we would have worked with several times. We'll be will become a friend and call you and let you know. I'm having a tough time. Today. Oh, mate, let me... Put this. I'm having a real tough time with, with this, man. I to be personal,
2: Yeah. Put it behind
1: you there. Um, can you hear me okay, man? Or do I sound like I'm... A- no,
2: you're good. Anyway. Well, we, we we're getting levels. We're getting levels. Yeah, yeah, well, you know. Yeah, they talk go. funny anyway. We'll, 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 we'll put a pedal on it, don't yeah, we.
1: we? I talk funny and I talk too much. I mean, I have my my no, answers man. are about ten minutes long. That's,
0: I, that's totally
2: cool.
1: I um, have dyslexia and uh, you know my ADHD kicks in. You know, man, I worry. am an old man. I have all these weird problems. That's you know I don't drink or smoke or do anything weird anymore. Is anymore. that how long? How long is that? you been like that now? Oh, it'll be ten years in October. Wow, I man! Put Congrats. Cigarettes and um You know, drinking alcohol. Yeah, it was destroying my life. Yeah, that's a. That's I was a, really unhappy, man, and you know, my playing went to shit. It was there's some humiliating shit out there that is just. It makes me cry, you know, when I yeah. fucking see it, you know. And it's it, what's really fucked up is like, there was a couple things, you know, right at the end of my drinking career and right when I stopped that I was like, detoxing and I was chucked on a stage to play and I didn't really shouldn't have and I. I was having panic attacks, and I couldn't play. Right. It was humiliating to me, and it was really a difficult period of time in my life that I, A, let it go like that, but there was a lot of misery in my life. My mother died, my marriage died, I was having a child, even though I was getting a divorce, and uh, personal life shit that can go, if you think that's personal, it gets weirder. Right, yeah. It was that my, my mother died, and then Mike was ill, and, and everything was all wrong in my life. Right. You know? And I was just trying, and I was on stage with a guy who couldn't sing, and I was going around the world, just doing it for the check, and I lost sight of myself. And it's really a drag that I, and, but it's on there for everybody to laugh at, if you wish to seek it out. Uh, you know, <laughs> some people, it's like you know, I don't go looking for it, but sometimes somebody will go, Oh, you know, I'll accidentally something will pop up on a, on your wall, right? You know i don't sit on social media all day long but i do as i manage the band now and i have for the last four or five years um i have to do a lot of work on, you know and i have to look and check things are going well on sites and stuff like yeah, that yeah and something something will pop up and i go oh god that's just like this is the bad era how bad is it now? <laughs> it's like the big red button on the wall don't touch the button don't touch what it. happens if i touch the button and inevitably you know um uh, It'll be something bad. And I'll look terrible. I can see that I'm sick. I can look at myself and go, I'm sick, man. That's not just drunk. That's sick. I was sick in my soul. And I almost lost control. And fortunately, the dive was headed towards the ground. And it was either pull up or fucking die. And I I pulled up. I realized myself. That moment in time when you go, Yep. They took my drink tickets away, and uh, I took my own drink tickets away, and said, "I got to get it together or die. I'm just going to die because I, I hated myself. Yeah. And here's a guy, everybody's out there and listening, and go, How can a this guy's an asshole? How can he let it go? He's got it everything, right? Well, it's like with people who are depressed to kill themselves. They go, well, what? What has he got to be depressed about? He's a movie star. He's got billions of dollars.' And I was like. People That's, think fame and fortune are like, you know, some kind of miracle cure for cancer, and it's not. Right. As a matter of fact, it's more complex, and so many layers, like a rotten onion, man. Right. That, like, you know, it looks great from the outside, you know, and then you open it up, and you look at it, and you realize there's a lot of ugliness in it. And yeah. A <laughs> lot of, we live in a world, as it turns out, where, you know, when I started out, it's like, you, you had to worry about... You know, one bad review in a city. One guy writes bad about you. If you make a, sh- you shit the bed and have a bad night. Uh, you leave that bad night in in the venue and drive to the next city. <laughs> and you know, people may talk about it in the city for a little while. Go, yeah, that was kind of a rough night, <laughs> or it was a great night, or whatever it was. It was that was done. Yeah. Now, as soon as you wa- everywhere you go, is a fucking camera. Yeah. I mean. Oh yeah. And I'm not saying necessarily <clears throat> on me. But just in general, Anyone. And you walk out on stage and everyone's
2: going to, you know, it's they're it, looking
1: man. at you through a viewfinder.
2: Yeah. I she, mean, And uh, you I mean, judge.
1: Or you're having dinner with your kids and it's just immediately okay to come over and, I mean, I would never, you know, as much as I might admire somebody and go, man, I'd love to have a photo or just say hi or something. If I see a guy eating with his family, I mean, you go, know, at least wait catch on the way out. You yeah, know? right. Excuse me, sir, man, I just want to let you know I'm a big fan or whatever. I mean, that's how I do it, you know, if I admire somebody or if I bother them at all, but just this narcissistic society where pictures of somebody's breakfast and somehow it's supposed to be interesting, which immediately turns into a Attacks. right and left political yeah. because of somebody's oh, eggs. Yeah, right? Your eggs are... I see that you put your eggs on the left side, <laughs> you know, and then that starts a political turmoil online. It's sick to watch this yeah. from, as an old guy. Yeah, it's like the point being: is it better that you know what everybody thinks? I mean, people may think the same things they've always thought. Yeah, and they may think that you suck, or what they were they gonna write about how f- ugly you are, or whatever. The, but they didn't, you never knew it. No, people with a fake name. You just thought it. To it. Yeah, 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 no. And every listen, we all—it's yeah. human nature to gossip and bag on other people when they're not in the room. Everybody does it, including myself. Which is, you know, I'm just being honest. Yeah. Some people are more malicious than others, but I'm not malicious. But to get online and just take time oh, but, out of I mean, your day I, to just but, fucking be a prick. But you know what I mean? There could be a, you know, a baby hugging a puppy, in a, in, you know, a newborn, beautiful child just hugging a baby, getting a kiss. And how many? There's always one dislike. Yeah. You know? What kind of a fucking asshole? Would, <laughs> you know, this is my whole point. It's an, and and believe me, if you looked at it, it would be there. Yeah. The oh, nicest yeah, sure. people, or some poor crippled guy wins the lottery there's like three dislikes you go like, so you're like oh, wow. okay man what a world are we living in what but a world at the back
0: at that time Luke, when you got when you made that decision when you kind of hit rock bottom it sounds yeah, like it was not it? a
1: happy time for me man no
0: i totally get it was it. really broken
1: I, down you br- i was broken down to my lowest common denominator and i had to i had to take the humiliation come out and publicly say yep i fucked up man yeah I was given the keys to the golden kingdom, and I fucked it up. And I'm ashamed of that. And I and I talk about it in my book. It was a terrible. I mean, here, you know, I'm sorry. I mean, I they took a little kid like me, a teenager, chucked him in the room with the big boys, and all big boys doing all sorts of big boy things. Yeah. And um, at the time, in the late, you know, '70s, '76, '77, '78, '79, '80. You know, those were some heady times. For those of yeah. us that lived through it. Um, and it was a little bit too much too soon in terms of me emotionally being, And you know, every night, Saturday night, wherever you go. Right. Everybody wants to drink and party. Why would you want to stop
0: at that point? Well,
1: you know, yeah, but when you're young, you're bulletproof. When you get a little older, it starts to hurt, and then you're carrying that hurt around, and it starts to permeate into your whole life, and then it becomes, well, I can't do anything without it. I can't go on stage without a couple drinks. For many years, it was fine. yeah. It was not noticeable at all, and it wasn't excessive. Yeah. as you get older it hurts more you drink more and it doesn't work the same and it affects you in a different way and your motor skills as we all grow older are not the same as when we were 18 years old you yeah. know what I mean Yeah. Um, and it, it got away from me man. Yeah. and I started to become a little bitter about things because of whatever and it just you know when you fall down the stairs break your teeth and have compound fractures emotionally in public it's tough yeah most yeah. people do go through that but they don't have to go through it in front of uh, you know people who think it's funny
0: Yeah,
1: you know i i can laugh at myself man i mean i But do, you know what you know? I, I think mean, but, i think you know i'm ashamed more i'm not looking for sympathy i'm ashamed of myself but i got better yeah and i had to redo it and and, and and like trying to regrow my reputation as being a, a decent guitar player and a decent human being and a well, I think you and health-wise, really sure. get myself together for it because I have a whole two little kids as well as two grown. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I wasn't thinking selfishly; I was thinking about I want to be a dad to these kids and be a better example. Yeah. Because my first, my adult kids, remember dad being a little bit more insane and dad's friends lying all over, still up while they're going to school. Hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I I messed up. My daughter would name Barbara. Oh, I just don't want to get into it. It's uh, a. <laughs> You know, but I did everything that you could do. That's the called awesome "quote unquote" rock and roll. Within, you know, maybe I missed a couple of things, but <laughs> I I got most of it, and you but know, man, I'm glad you I come lived through, through the it. other side. Yeah, That's I'm glad the most I you know, lived some of it. Was fun. I'd be lying to you otherwise. Okay. I would. And say some of it was, of was of when it. we were young and we could use it to be creative. And you know, when you could do it like that, uh, fine. But you know. I'm, I'm much happier the way I am now, but I had a good time doing it. I'm not going to lie about it.
0: You know? I think majority of the but
3: guys now, back
1: then, yeah, right? It's not really, you know, trendy to be that way. And at the time, it was acceptable, even expected behavior. Yeah, right. That was what was so weird about it. If you try to pull that shit down, like, dump, you know, okay, let's go, you know, fucking, you know, <laughs> you know it's like, woo, man, you'd be fucking ostracized. You'd be like, yeah. the world all of a sudden would stop. It'd be like a cartoon. Right. Like, what yeah. the fuck are you yeah. doing?
0: Every, everything's judged to the max
1: now everything and it oh. would
2: be it would be on facebook two seconds too they'd, yeah. they'd be filming well
1: it people th- there's a new thing now when i saw this because it involved me of people online in the comment section saying yeah i met that guy i had a conversation they start quoting Ugh. a conversation that ne- a negative one yeah that never happened right okay and the peanut gallery jumps in. Yeah, I met that guy. What a cunt. You know what I mean? It's like, and then, hey, man. Whoa, whoa. I was, what are you saying? What?
0: It's like I've been
1: You know, now. I may mean, have drank a bit, but like, you know, it wasn't fucked up all the time. Yeah, you I know, know Look at the work. You know what I mean? People say, oh, those guys did a lot of drugs and blah, blah, blah. Really? We had our own band. And then we were also playing every f- record coming out of L.A. at the time. I mean, you know, I'm not saying we were angels, but come on, man. I mean, we had to show up and not know what we were going to do. How many times can you get away with that? Fucked up. Yeah, it yeah. wouldn't be keep getting the calls again if we were shitting the bed every time. Late. I mean, there was a time when there were guys from New York who I shall not name, <laughs> but they'd be four, five to six hours late to a session while a whole band is sitting around waiting for them to show up, getting paid. Right. Now that would piss some people off. Yeah, because you're spending you know, thirty grand with engineers studios and musicians sitting around for five or six hours maybe more money than that going uh is he gonna show up and this is before cell phones and stuff yeah right yeah and they paid for the cats to come out from new york or london or nashville and some of these cats ain't here yet and you know because you were hanging with them the night before it's like oh i'm out man i'll see you later man Damn. Or, it, those were pretty, you know it was some silly times but now i mean you know I'm working on a documentary right now uh, with uh, a guy named Nigel Cole who did Bruce Springsteen's documentary. Oh, okay. And Sony's behind. I, mean, I want to do, you know, it was based loosely. The way it came through it was because of the book and some stuff. Nigel came to me. Yep. I didn't look. I wasn't looking to do this. But I said, I don't want to do something on me. I don't want to dig me thing. That's lame. I said, what well, would be fun to do is like do something about all the musicians that came. The last era of... The session guys. Yeah, I mean, there's been all, all of our heroes in the Wrecking Crew, and the guys that came directly after that. All oh, I'd say like 1976, 1996 era, the last era of guys showing up at the studio, not knowing what they're going to do, and you're playing live sessions, and you know, there was a lot of money and a lot of people working, a lot of great stuff was going on, you know, and then you know the machines took over, you know. I remember being there when Roger Lynn plugged in the first drum machine. I was sitting on the couch with Jeff Picard and Steve Picard. When they turned the on switch and Jeff heard the, the, you know, the kick, kick snare and hat play a groove, he about shit the bed, man. Wow. He got off the couch dead serious. Like, we got to destroy this. This is going to fuck everything up. And he was dead serious. And Steve was laughing because Steve loves the technology. Yeah. And I was sort of in between, like nervously laughing, go, wow, that's amazing. And then it, you know, for, you know, that the era of synth pop was born. Mm. And once they figured out how to put a clock to the drum machine to hook up, they're <laughs> 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 off to the races. Yeah, right. And MTV begins, and there we go.
0: Isn't it amazing how it all worked out and where we're at now? Like, that whole, that whole scene is just fucking basically gone. The whole music industry is a shit show at the moment.
1: It's, it's sad, man. You know, I was explaining to somebody today, and you guys are going to relate to this because we're around the same age. I'm probably a little bit older, but... My point is, when we were kids growing up, when we got an album, some, a new album where we'd go find the guy who had the coolest stereo, you know, the best-sounding one, there was always somebody had, you know, some guy with, you know, don't touch my turntable! You know, <laughs> thing, you know that guy. With the preener and the whole thing, right, with yeah, the yeah. records and the whole thing. There was a, it was a whole it took ten minutes to put the album on, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So you'd sit there and you'd anticipate this. Nobody had cell phones, nobody was watching T V. There was no other outside stimulation, there was no visual stimulation. The music was everything. And we waited for yeah, it. We maybe the only
2: visual stimulation would be actually the cover itself. Well that's what I mean. We, and and we'd and pass it around. And you'd
1: pass it around. Right. Along with the other shit you were passing around. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And um we would be mesmerized. There'd be dead silence. We'd all be sitting in the, key, in the middle of the two speakers, left yeah. to right. We'd be sitting in tandem <laughs> yeah. behind each other so we could get the full stereo left and right, center. And like you said, looking at the lyrics, reading the credits of where these students, where's this magical place where they made Close to the Edge, you know? Right. I want it to, you think if you go to that place, your record's going to sound like that because you're naive and young. You know, where do they make this map? How does he make that magical guitar sound? And you find out it's tape phasing later. You know, you know, it's almost like it's a drag when you start doing it for a living and you find out oh, yeah, you the magician's the, tricks. Yeah, you pull you the know, curtain back and you, you go pull up, the you curtain know. back and it's like, pay no attention to that. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, it couldn't be that Which is now I I now have a great new story about the name Toto. The reason yeah, well we were named after the dog. We were named after the dog, by the no, way. No, I can you, you were? That was oh, no it was, it was a fucking, you know.
2: I heard it something. Was a stupid different.
1: name. We've had a million uh, explanations, but one that I really like is that Toto the dog in the movie is the only person that pulls back the curtain to show that the Oz is a fraud. Ah. Okay. So if you relate that to we're deep. the guys behind all the hit records, you didn't know that we played on it. Uh, yeah, oh, right. that,
2: that actually is really... 43 years later, like come up with a story. cool one.
1: As opposed to, it was Bobby Kimball's real last name, Toe, you, know, <laughs> you know, E-A-U-X, you know, from oh. New Orleans, or, uh, you know, The Toilet, or the fucking, or this yeah, and that, yeah, yeah. you know, The Toilet Bowl was great, Tom Scott had the best one ever, you yeah. know, Tom, yeah, legendary yeah. saxophonist. Uh, when we were making the first album, which he worked on with us, you know, and uh, he went to Japan. Right. And we were, the record was done, it was just coming out, you know, Hold the Line was just getting on the radio, we're all excited. Tom does a tour of a jazz band at, uh, you know, the Blue Notes in Tokyo or well, whatever. Right, right. Now now we, Toto, had never, we had been. never been. Yeah. Nobody yeah. ever told us shit, you know. You know, I, didn't, I never liked the Toto name. I mean, I thought it should have been Still Life, which was our high school name. Right. With Mike and me and all the guys, you know. But, uh you know, Jeff and David, Jeff McCormick and David Pitch were pretty strong on this Toto, they kept writing it on everything. <laughs> <laughs> they got stoned and drunk and watched The Wizard of Oz and we were done. Um, anyway, where was I going with this, man? I'm sorry. The,
0: the name of Toto.
1: Oh, yeah, just just all, all the different things. But they kept writing it on, on everything and it just stuck and we got stuck with this name. And it was like... At but, the time, but Tom Scott goes to Japan and he sends us... All of a sudden we get this Polaroid in the in the mail. Yeah. And we open it up and there's a toilet. Yeah. And it says...
2: Total. That's a toilet company. On a the toilet company, yeah.
1: And Tom's shit floating in the toilet. <laughs> and all it said was, nice name. And he sent it to us at Studio 55, the studio we were just finishing up. Oh, my after God. After they had printed the album covers and everything like that. Well, the first guy that brought down, like, artwork for us to look at, and Jeff, Jeff Picard was always our artist guy. Right. Because he wanted to be an artist more than he wanted to be a drummer. Wow. He was really good at it. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> this guy brought down like he had heard the music and he brought down he goes he, he sat us down he's going, on an easel you know what I mean really old school <laughs> he brought down his idea for our album cover and we're all like okay man you know we're here. We're gonna see it here we are young guys our first album we're all excited so this is Columbia Records is sending us the guy the head of their art department to show us wow. the album cover that they think we should have yeah and uh he lifts up the you know the easel and opens it up for us to see and it's a dog dish with curly cord guitar cables coming out of it (laughs) with dog food in it and there was like a collective it was like the air had been sucked out of the room fucking hell (laughs) and i and then the uncomfortable laughter started and then it became a you know a crying laughing oh my god and then jeff escorting the cat to the door and basically throwing him out without much of anything else being said and then he went and found the guy philip who did the the fiddler album cover for yep. uh, grateful dead and got him to do our first album cover the sword thing yeah that's how that all happened Wow! that story was not in the book see that's a story that the, nobody else has how much did you have a lot of fun writing the book or was it painful it was both both but uh, you, it's it was painful well. because you know I mean a lot of memories and, and the hard part was the editing. Yeah. I mean it was a it was a seven eight hundred page book I had to edit down to three hundred whatever. Right. It was something crazy like that? I mean I talked I spent two years talking to Paul Reese on and then because I needed somebody to help a grammatically and make make sense of it and also chronologically and how do I put this together? I needed a real guy. He's a real author. Yeah. yeah. You know I'd never written a book before. I was did he want to write a book? They right. talked me into it. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and I, when I first got the first draft, I, I, it was great, but I sounded like a proper Englishman, because he's an Englishman. Right. And, uh, I said, Paul, this is great, and all that, and it, everything, the form is beautiful, and uh, you got it, I can't believe you could, you edited this and made this work somehow. But, it doesn't sound like me. <laughs> I said, it's too slick, man, I mean, it's, it's too proper. I don't talk like that. No, no. I, it's not funny enough. Yeah. I go, I gotta...
0: It's have a go at this. Yeah.
1: So I did. I went through every freaking line, and I rewrote it. Wow. I don't know if Paul even likes that I even did that, but, you know, <laughs> it's my book. Yeah. And, you know, this actually is, you know, most people like, just do some interv- interviews and slap their name on it. Yeah, yeah. I said, I'm not going to do that. I also didn't go after people that I could have. Right. And there's a couple of assholes that really deserved it that mm-hmm. I'm... But then you open up this, you know, if you start that, then you yeah. rebuttal
2: more pinata the only
1: way to win a fight is not to show up yeah yeah you know what i mean yeah do oh, call me a pussy but i got all my teeth and my fingers aren't broken yeah, yeah. okay i'm a pussy right
0: yeah Who cares? Yeah. you
1: know what i mean in in the big picture when you punch somebody in the face do you really feel better no. i mean there's a lot of people that deserve it and we all yeah. know them and some of them are famous um but then again do you feel better no. It's that old adage where it's like me taking poison expecting the other person to die. Yeah, that's all it does. It's like when you yell at somebody if somebody fucks you over, even if you flip somebody off in the car. Yeah, which is dangerous to do now. Yeah, uh, but you know if you have an altercation with anybody now, and you, and you get excited and stimulated in a negative way, anxious, in a, like in like almost you know thinking I violent thoughts, I want to punch this guy in the face or whatever, or worse um i know whenever i've been like that i don't feel good afterwards no i feel like shit afterwards i like to the point of wanting to find out where the person is so i can apologize to them i don't want to be an asshole i know something if i was drunk and if i was an asshole and you know yeah i suppose you can blame blame it on that but you know sometimes booze doesn't always bring the best out of everybody you know
0: I think the good thing about all this too, like, you know, you've come through all this, you've written a book, man, you get to share this and people that might be going through personal shit themselves, they can see that they're not alone and they, you know, you can get through this shit.
1: It's a very weird life, man. People have a very strange view of what, A, you know, being in the music business is, B, being famous and how to deal with money and yeah, how do you party and then all the other dark side of it. Yeah yeah the betrayals the the fevery of it you know? yeah, being ripped off and then being told fuck you what are you gonna do about it right i got an army of lawyers what are you gonna do see yeah. me go ahead yeah and let me tell you this happens every day yeah and the way they've demonetized it and all this stuff and demonized it even but it can be a really great thing but it's a really tough life man yeah. it's not you know we don't get paid for the two two hours plus on stage that's the fun part man that's the like woo! we're having a great yeah, time yeah, yeah it's the other 20 hours a day like the hour to get there warm up hang out eat groove hour after the show you know yeah ha, you know have a couple of laughs then all, the, all the
2: other sundry work that goes into it you know i mean of course you know at your level you you still have at your level you even have to still do so much of that like no it's you know, the in same world the- it's like it's not just Show up for the gig. I mean, besides the rehearsing and the studying and the practicing and the carrying the equipment or whatever, yeah. all that shit. It's like now we're we've got to be our own press agents and we got to manage social media and we got to get people. I mean, like venues no longer see it as their responsibility to get people to come to hear you play. Well, I know this is it's where all the, you now. And shit, and yeah, I know, but
1: this this is what's wrong. I'll go on record saying it, man. What's wrong with the music? They all, you know, when I was a kid, even when we were kids. We get like you know, we'd audition to play at the you know the prom at the you know Grand High School or something like that. And if we got the gig, we got five hundred bucks, which was a fortune to us in nineteen seventy four. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, we rent a big PA for it. We put money back into the show. You yeah, know what I mean, I it would be. We didn't really care about the money. Yeah, we were kids. I mean, they, okay, I can get some strings and some picks and put some gas in my VW. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's where we all had little '63, '64 VWs.
2: What year are you talking? '74, '74. Is that when you graduated high school?
1: No, '75 is when I did. I met the guy. We, our band, really got yeah. an end of '73 and '74, yeah. '75. about until, the same age. Is right? yeah. where you know those were crucial years in terms of studying and working and practicing and seeing the seeing the brass ring and going, you know, th- there was such thing as the minor leagues back then, you know, demo sessions and stuff, you know, you pay 20 bucks a tune or whatever, yeah. you make a few bucks and you get your experience, you get your chops and how to, you got to bring it every time, you know, just throw a chord sheet or a lead sheet in front of you and count off a song, what are you going to play?